Why are you telling me this, Lan? You're a warder. You're acting as if you're on my side. I am on your side, sheep herder. A little. Enough to help you a bit. The warder's face was stone, and sympathetic words sounded strange in that rough voice. What training you've had, I gave you, and I'll not have you groveling and sniveling. The wheel weaves us all into the pattern as it wills. You have less freedom about it than most, but by the light, you can still face it on your feet. Hello. I'm Will, and this is my wife, Dallas. Hi! And this is Not the Beginning, a podcast where a longtime Wheel of Time fan and a Wheel of Time newbie read through each of the 14 books in this long series. Warning, this podcast may not be suitable for younger audiences and will contain spoilers. If you've not read Robert Jordan's The Great Hunt, please proceed with caution. On this episode of Not the Beginning, we will be diving in and discussing chapters 6 through 8 of The Great Hunt. Note, I have not read past chapter 8, and Will's going to do his best not to bring in anything from the rest of The Great Hunt or the next 12 books during our discussion. So as long as you've read through chapter 8, you should be good. If you haven't, I recommend pausing here and going to read them. Okay, chapter summaries for this week's section from dragonmount.com. Rand wakes in Egwene's room. Nynaeve tells him Egwene has gone down to visit Patton Fane again. Alarms ring, Rand dodges a murdral, then Leandrin, and finds Egwene and Matt unconscious in the dungeon. Paddenfane has escaped, taking Matt's dagger with him, and the horn of the leer is missing. Varen Sedai translates the dark prophecy which was written on the walls of the dungeon. She believes the forsaken Lanvir, once the dragon's lover, is free. Varen also startles Moraine and Swan by revealing that she knows one of the boys from Emmonsfield can channel. Perrin attempts to visit Matt and is chased away by Lyanna. Rand is summoned by the Amerlin seat. Land coaches him on what to do and say. The Amerlin asks Rand whether he intends to join the hunt for Matt's dagger and the horn. She knows Rand can channel, but does not intend to gentle him because he is the dragon reborn. Moraine recounts the foretelling which sent her and Swan searching for him. Rand believes they want to use him. Land corners Nynaeve and gives her his signet ring. Nynaeve has decided to go to the White Tower so she can learn enough to confront Moraine. Rand says his goodbyes to Egwene. He will help Matt recover the dagger. So quite a few things going on here. Again, all character stuff. Well, actually, not all character stuff. This is with a Trollocs attack. Yeah, that's Trolloc big. Attack. Trollocs attack. Pat and Faden's gone. The dagger and the horn are missing, which is bad news for Matt. Yep. Varen knows that R- Rand can channel. She and doesn't seem to care, though. She doesn't seem to care. She kind of seems to have a similar opinion as to the Amerlin, which is like, well, he's the dragon. What are you going to do? Well, she wants to study him, but we'll get well, to yeah. that. She's a brown. Anyway, so the, the first thing, we, we open with Trollocs basically attacking. There's a little bit with Rand in uh, the women's apartments with Nynaeve, where she's just like, Egwene went down to visit Patton Fane. I'm just going to sit here and crochet or right. paint or whatever it is. Right. And then things start happening. And Rand runs out with his sword out in the women's apartment. All like the women, a dumbass. Like a dumbass. All the women are like, oh my god, who is that? He has a sword. And well, then they're like, are, it's Rand. Men are only supposed to have swords in the women's apartments if... They're like guards. If, well, not even if they're guards. Only if the town is under siege. So even if it's just a guard like visiting yeah. a woman, he can't have his sword. So here's Rand just running around with a, with a sword. With a sword. To be fair, though, they are under siege. They are under attack. But they, this, was, this is their way of learning that they're under attack. Yeah. And so the women all freak out. 
Yeah. And Rand and didn't know that the town was under attack. He just thought that Egwene was, was in danger. Which is like, what, what are you going to do with it? Like, she, if you don't know the town is under attack, you just think Padden Fane is a prisoner. What are you going to do with a sword, dumbass? He's a dumbass. He's he a got dumbass. hit with the idiot stick yeah. again. Well, he kind of is a living idiot stick at this point. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, he's running around with a sword, and then he runs basically, like, head first into the Amberlin seat. Yep. Who's just like, hmm, I know who you are. Right. And then he's just like, and bye. So much for avoiding her. And then he realizes that the city is under attack by Trollocs and Emergil. Which, honestly, at this point, I was not even phased by. I was like, oh, there's some Trollocs. Okay. Yeah. It's the Borderlands. Mm-hmm. The Borderlands, there's some Trollocs. And it's happening. Oh, look, there's a fade. It's fine. This is yeah. like the fourth Trolloc attack. And yeah, at this point, like, I'm a little surprised that Rand is caught off guard, too. Because he, like, he says there's something about getting caught off guard and re- and forgetting some of his training. Well, he's an idiot. Well, there's that. But like, don't remember their training. Although he did do a good job later with the, like, etiquette training from Lan. Yes. We'll get to that. <laughs> One, the, the Probably the stupidest thing he does is not actually saying, hey, I'm going to go run into the Ireland with a sword out in the women's apartments. It's, I'm going to go fight a fade alone. Yeah, because he runs into one of the guards. Ingtar. Ingtar. And he's, and he's like, going to go fight the fade. And Rand's like, I'll help. And he's like, no, you won't. Go, go find your girlfriend. You are a child. You are a child. But that, like... So he is freaking out, and I kind of understand why he's freaking out, because he has been under the impression that Balsamon is dead. But, so he, then he says the Dark One's real name, and Nynaeve's like, are you dumb? You yeah, shouldn't name gets... him. It, it, which, is it kind of like, um, is it like in Harry Potter in the seventh in the seventh book, how there was a taboo on Voldemort's name, and so a if you bit. said Voldemort, yeah. like, the, it alerted you, the... Because there's a taboo on the word. Like, yeah. it doesn't, it's not just Voldemort. You can put a taboo on anything. Yeah. But is it kind of like a taboo? Yeah. And that if you say it, like, you're alerted, or whoever is alerted to your presence. Yeah. Because he says the Dark One's real name, Shaitan, and then he gets, like, a sudden wave of intense nausea. Yeah. And he's like, but he's still dead. No. No. No, honey, no. Yeah, it's not if you get a, if you get a wave of nausea after you say the name of a person who's supposed to be dead, it's probably, it's probably not, not dead. dead. Especially not if that person's name is basically Satan. Yeah, <laughs> he's um he's not having a good no time. Yeah, he runs down and he finds Egwene and Matt unconscious. And Padden Fane, whatever Padden Fane did there. So when he walks in, he walks in and first he sees the two guards on the outside door Dead. decapitated and bodies eaten yeah because like there's bits of them. on there's there's only small bits yeah i'm i'm part of me is one like is was that Padden fane or was that trollocs that had to have been Tro- that had to have been Padden fane not trollocs because trollocs are lazy they would have wanted to just get Padden, out how did Padden fane eat two people Patton Fane's got some fucked up stuff going on. That's true. Nice. He's got the multiple personalities, and now he probably has the dagger. Well, that's he. he Patton Fane did steal the dagger off Matt. That's the only because Matt was down. Oh, in the right. Yeah, Matt. Matt was kind of saying like in in Dreamland. Right. And uh, Patton Fane plus dagger equals real bad time. Right, because he's then he's corrupted by the, not only the creepy fog inside the the ways. 
But now he might be... Corrupted by the dagger. Well, now he might be double corrupted by Shadow Logoth because he went through Shadow Logoth. He was forced to go through Shadow Logoth in the first book. And he was talking about more right. death when they captured it. Right, yeah. So he's just not... Uh, he, yeah, he's not a good he's time. He's like a mega dark friend. But so Rand gets down there, he sees two decapitated people and then obviously throws up, which, yeah, makes sense. And I, then... I, I do need to say that... The Emmons Fielders need to get a little stronger stomachs because they keep running into stuff like this and they keep vomiting. Do you know who hasn't vomited yet? Perrin. Or Lan. Or Nynaeve. Or Nynaeve, no. Or Egwene. Or Egwene. All... No, Egwene's vomited. Has she? Yeah. Because I thought Nynaeve when... might have. Maybe in the she ways. She was green, but she has not actually vomited. Okay. Egwene strikes me as the type to just, like, power through and, like... And that's what I think. I think that the two the two women have not. It was Perrin I'm and Matt sure who Egwene threw up has. in the ways. And not Perrin. Perrin didn't. Notably, Perrin didn't. And then, he didn't throw up in the waste either. Yeah, I not don't know. The waste, the no, the waste is a different part of the world. And well, the, was, didn't you name the D and D world? Yeah, but there's a different oh. waste in Randland. Okay. Which I could we can talk about Randland now, a little bit. This is not on our notes, but. Canonically, not canonically, because it's ne- the world. The name of the world is never mentioned in the books, mm-hmm. even though it's it's Earth. But literally, it's called Randland. That is so dumb. Is it canon? As in, like Robert Jordan put it on his website? Yeah. So it's like like that's what Robert Jordan. That's what the author and and editors and, and that's what everybody refers to the world as. It's Randland. You came up with names like Taviran. And, and you couldn't come up with a fucked up name for Earth. Or just like spell it weird. Just like add add syllables. I don't know. Yeah, Randland is dumb. So he gets he he sees the two decapitated people, throws up. Yep. And then walks into the room and immediately witnesses someone unaliving themselves. <laughs> Whatever it was was bad enough that and because he of comments just hung himself. And he comments. That he was sitting on the ground. Like, he could have, like, lifted himself at any time. It's not like he stepped off a chair or something. He right. was, like, committed. Does not want And to then see. another guy was trying to dig through stone with his bare hands. Yeah. So whatever they saw... Fucked up stuff. And I'm kind of glad that Egwene and Matt were unconscious for whatever it was. Yeah. Because Matt's crazy enough. Matt is crazy enough. And they also would have... They, they were spared witnessing Trollocs and Patton Fane, presumably, writing things on the walls in people's blood. Yeah. Creepy. There's a dark prophecy now. Shit's weird. I hate prophecies. I just gotta say. I'm just gonna yeah. put that out there. I really hate reading prophecies because... Then you have to remember them. You have to remember them. And mostly they don't make sense. The only prophecy that I have read that I read it and went, that is very clear and makes sense is the prophecy in Harry Potter. Well, that's because who cares? Well, and it was meant for children. (laughs) Right. And she's a terrible writer. So, (laughs) but... That's a take that I kind of agree with. Anyway, there's dark prophecy now. Yeah, there's... I hate prophecies. I read the prophecy twice, and I was just like, I I hate this. But then, what's her face? It kind of explains it all after. Yeah, Baron does a good job. Baron does a good stuff. If... And here's another hot take. I think if... Every book had a Varen to immediately explain a prophecy. I wouldn't hate them so much. Yeah. Because she was like, oh, crap, i got to parcel this out. Oh, no, someone did it for me. Thanks. Varen is just a magic librarian. Yeah, that's 
She's great. She's got good vibes. Um, uh, while down there, though, Rand runs into Leandrin, who once again uh, enters another point in the race of who's the worst, Leandrin or Elida. I uh, know it's it's firmly Leandrin. Well, right now. Uh, okay, yeah. I but so far the only thing Elida has done is be a bitch while while in bordering. True. Leandrin Here. has actually she's tortured two people with the one power to yeah, get information because she, wants. she tries to use the one power to get Rand to like bend to her will. Right. It doesn't work because well, here's a question. Does it not work because Rand can channel? And so maybe he has a little bit more resistance to it than like a normal Or is person? he just normal two rivers stubborn? Or is he just two rivers stubborn? <laughs> has Leandrin underestimated the power of sheep herders? Um <laughs> It's a good question. Because he wasn't actively channeling then. That he knew of. That he knew of. But he was stubborn, and he was like, I need to leave. I don't know anything. I'm going to leave now. And then, what, is it Moraine or Varen? I don't Moraine know. Moraine Moraine walks in and is like, Leandro, what the fuck are you doing? And she, Stop it. And she Slap. <laughs> Stop. Which is okay. She immediately knows. Right. Because uh, something else, we, we kind of get extra confirmation later on is that, like, women can, women have a really good ability to sense channeling. Yes. Because later when, when Varen's like, hey, by the way, one of the Emmons fielders can channel, right? Moraine and Swan are both like, oh, shit, and they grab the one power. I didn't understand that section, so, like, what did they, what did they grab it? What were they, what were they going to do? Were they going to attack her? Yeah. Like, and... If they can say, that's so dumb on their part. Well, Moraine's like, yes, this was a fucking awful idea. Why did I do this? I could have played it off if I didn't embrace the source. Yeah, that I just didn't, I, I guess because it just didn't, it didn't make sense. They so panicked. I was confused. They panicked. And Moraine doesn't seem like one to panic. No. She's, she's a little off her game here. I think she's going to be off her game for the whole book. She is dealing with some intensely powerful Taviran. And Aes Sedai are very used to being the, the, like the little center of their own universe. So intensely Taviran, uh, we find out later that... There was not a travel mandate. There wasn't. The well, gates okay. weren't closed. Ingtar says there wasn't, but then other characters later in the section say that there was an order. And no. And after Land says, says Land says later that uh, Rand has been exempted from the order, keeping everybody in after the attack. Ingtar says that now there is an order. There was not one before. Somebody That's, somebody does say that there was an order before, and I Rand did remarks... Not, I did not read that, and I do not think that is... Uh, no, that, that it definitely is the case, because Rand remarks, why would Ingtar lie about that? That's all in the same paragraph. And he says he is the one saying that there was an order before. Mm. And he's like, but why would Ingtar lie? Okay. So there was not an order before. That was in the okay, same I'm paragraph. I'm pretty sure somebody later says that there was an order, but I could be wrong, because... It does. I mean, one does get issued pretty quick. Right. Because Ingtar says there's an order in place now. And Rand says, well, what happened to the order before? And Ingtar says there was never one. And Rand was going through all of the people that he ran into beforehand that had said there wasn't one. There was right. one. And he's like, why would they make that up? But also, why would Ingtar lie? Okay. And so there was not an order in place before. It was just such an intensely Taviran shit moment. Like, yeah. hashtag Taviran shit that somehow these people made up this thing to keep Rand in the city. Yeah. 
Rand has an unfortunate lack of free will at times. But he also kind of Tavirans himself because, like... He does. He, he keeps saying he's going to leave. And, and then he's he doesn't. not going to. Right. And, like, he doesn't even try to. It's not like he... It's not Tavirin... It's not like external Tavirin stopping him. Which, in the case of him trying to leave the city and they said that there was an order to keep him in place, he was at least trying to leave. Right. But he has said he's going to leave so many times. And Lan's just Very like... true. Why don't you just leave? Why don't you just leave? You're not going to do can. it. You can. Like, and even after that, Lan's just like, you can leave. You're not going to, but you You're can. going to. Although, uh, immediately after the attack, uh, Lan is like, you can leave, but the Amarlin's going to have people hunt you down and bring you back to meet with her because she gets what she wants. But you can leave after if you want, but you're not going to because you're going to go help your friends. She is uh, Lady Pope. Lady Pope. Yeah. There are a few things in between. So so now is probably a good time to talk about the the Varen section because there's like a, a kind of a intermittent or intermural. I don't know what the word I'm looking for here is. Well, so this is in Maureen's perspective. Right. Um, when they're talking about like the aftermath of the attack. Right. So the she prophecy. talks, they talk about Matt who gets taken to the Amerlin herself to get healed. And they, I think it's her, Varen, Maureen, Maureen and three others. Like three others help heal Matt. And Maureen says something about Matt not being as useful anymore now that the horn is missing. Okay. And I didn't I didn't write it down at first, but then later it something happened that jogged my memory of that line. Okay. So that was just interesting and then we get the prophecy information. Yes. There are four important bits about the prophecy. There's a mention of Toman Head, which is also mentioned in Fane's message. Fane's message is that we'll meet again on Toman Head, Althor. Yeah, it's not over. Right, it's not over. It's and never over. It's never over, which mirrors a creepy dream Rand has with Balzwan saying, it, you know, the, bat, you're, the battle's never done. Yes, we open up this section of the book with another creepy Rand dream. Because, right. of course, Rand just has creepy dreams now. In it's which fine. Matt has a dagger in his chest and Perrin has ripped out his own eyes. Right. I think I think it's just symbolism. I think I, it this is, This doesn't too. read like the, like, intruded upon dreams in the first book. Because those, those had, like, an element of surrealism to them. Yeah, I think where this, this one just... was just kind of like PTSD dream. Yeah, I think that those two, at least the Matt and the parent thing are just kind of symbolism in some way, kind of like the creepy aura readings in that like we it's supposed to give some sort of information. And some of the information I think it, it, this dream gives us is Rand's state of mind. And I think like the dagger in, in Matt's chest could be just like the dagger is going to kill Matt, which now that it's missing Right. Makes sense because he and back to back to Moraine. She and the ice that I all say that he only has a few months if they can't find the dagger. At best, a at few months. Best of At few worst, months. he has maybe a couple days. Yeah, and uh, I I already know that at least Matt doesn't die in this book. He can't like. No. I've seen I've seen fan art of him in the and future. And he looks nothing, like he, looks he, nothing like he does now. So <laughs> I guess that's You're a spoiler. pretty sure he's not dying. I'm pretty sure he's not. It is a long fantasy series. There is the possibility that he dies and comes back. I was going to say he could be um, like Catelyn Stark. Yeah, maybe. Lady Dragonstone I know or the whatever answer. it is. Maybe. What, what is Lady Dragonstone? Uh, Whiteheart. Whiteheart. I, it's been a while since I've read those books. So. But yeah, he could be brought back to life. Or, it's such a long book, he could gain all of those attributes by the end of the book. And then Who die. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> this is not 
a long book by Wheel of Time standards. But it's still a long book. It's it's, it's long enough that pages. he could have all those. I'm trying not to give any spoilers because I I do like I have a picture in my head because right. it's what you do for your cosplay. But I'm not gonna spoil. But he could have things happen to him. That's true. By the end of the book, and it wouldn't be rushed it wouldn't because be it's rushed. a long enough book. Yeah. That's definitely a possibility. But anyway, so after healing uh, Matt, Moraine, Varen, and Swan have like a conversation about the dagger and the prophecy. And there are a couple of important things of, about the prophecy that I know you've noted out. So why don't you ask me some of the questions you have about the prophecy? So the key things that I picked out were the mention of the daughter of the night. Yep. Um, there was a phrase... A man who channels will sacrifice his friends. And I don't know that that's necessarily an important bit, but Rand can channel and he has two friends. Right. And there's something about standing alone in that bit too. Yeah, but I just marked down the man who channels will sacrifice his friends, which I hope doesn't happen, but it's a prophecy, so it could happen. Or not in the way that you think. Right. There are many different ways that sacrifice his friends could be interpreted. It could be what he's already doing, which is trying to push them away. Right. He's like he's, he's losing sa- his friends. He's sacrificing his exist. friendship, right. but they are still alive. Right. Uh, then there's a mention of Luke and the Mountains of Doom yep. with an H. Mm-hmm. D-H. Doom. Doom? Doom. It's just Doom. Uh, there's a mention of Isam. 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 I actually don't know how this one is pronounced. Which um, we've had mention of Isam before in the, the end of the last book. Yes, because he's part of Lan's bloodline. And I have forgotten the way in which he's related to Lan. I just, Lan's cousin. Yeah, wasn't it something yeah. to do with the usurping and like Isam yeah, killed so his parents? Lan's dad's brother. <laughs> Lan's dad's brother's wife. Complicated. Uh, basically wanted her husband, Lan's uncle, Lane Mendragon, to usurp the throne of Malkir. And she did, she basically orchestrated Malkir's fall unintentionally because she was, her, the result of her scheming was that Trollocs were able to invade. And so Leon had to be shipped out, his parents died, and Brian, his aunt by marriage, and her newborn son, Isam, were kind of lost to the blight. Okay. So there's a mention of Luke, who is Tigraine's brother. Tigraine was mentioned a little earlier as the daughter heir before Queen Morgase of Camelon. Okay. She went missing. None stick gonna stick in my brain. No. But okay. And then there was a mention of a hunt and shadow hounds. hounds. That is not what I wrote. In the notes. That is incorrect in the notes. Yeah, that hunt and shadow hounds. Uh, I don't really have much to add there that would that can be said. There was a mention of the time of change, which Varen does not expand upon. She's like, you know about the time of change. That's and, basically just when ages. And, ages come and go. With the time there, of yeah, there was a mention of, well, and you know about the time of change and the great lord. And that's when the Amberlin's like, shut up now. <laughs> there was a mention of watchers on Tomon's head, which is from the message it's from, from the message. that we'd already mentioned yep. a seed of the hammer burns the ancient tree yep Tomon's head and though that the seed of the hammer both have to do with arthur hawkwing which i still don't understand you'll understand more about it uh, again arthur hawkwing is just kind of like an alexander the great analog he conquered a bunch of places died and then they all splintered and then the ancient tree they think is a reference to Amandasora. 
Uh, well, they say it's they say it could be Aventasaur or two other places that basically have like trees and there's some symbology or like flag or they call themselves like the tree of people or whatever. Uh, two of those areas are basically the countries along Tomon Head. Okay. And so the daughter of night is Lanfear, yep. who is a Forsaken. Yes. Lanfear is one of the Forsaken. And they mentioned that Lanfear, some claim Lanfear was actually the most powerful of the Forsaken, not Ishamael, the man who confronted Volcano Man, lives there in the, in the prologue of the first book. Mm-hmm. And just Lanfear was like sneaky. She didn't want to be seen as the most powerful because then she couldn't operate in the shadows. Well, and I feel like that tracks just with how women characters who are evil are portrayed in media and that they are more underhandedly sneaky. Yeah. Um, not sure I necessarily like that trope because it then perpetuates just that all women are underhanded. That's thing. fair. Um, but that is generally how evil women are portrayed. Right. Is that they are, in a, they are be... not overtly evil. They, are, they do so in an underhanded way. Yeah. And it should be noted here that Lanfear, that's just how Lanfear is perceived by people thousands of years removed from when she was. Right. Like, who knows how Lanfear actually acts? The last two of the Forsaken that we met probably weren't much like their stories. Agonor was an old, old man, and Balthamel was like walking leather. So, like, there's been a long time since the Forsaken were out and about. Mm-hmm. Now they think, because of this message, this dark prophecy, Lanfear might be out. They know some of the Forsaken are out, for sure. They fought them. And it seems like the Amaralyn is kind of denying that. She's like, no, none of them are out. And I was waiting yeah. for Moraine to go, um... <laughs> Bitch, I just fought two. Yeah, like, excuse me fought two of them right like the the, the seals have it i showed you a seal and it was broken and it was broken they, they out yep like yeah so there's some of that and the great lord comes is something that doesn't get touched on it because need to the amulet what does what does make that important is the fact that the Amerlin just immediately shuts the conversation down right. after that. And that's when Varen starts to know about the Dragon Reborn, and that's when they start panicking. And then Varen is just like, you know, we always gentle them, but I wonder what happens. She like, kind of just How do they go bad? How do they go bad? Does it happen quickly? Does it depend on the person? And... I'm assuming that because he's also Tavirin, he's probably the Dragon Reborn, right? So does he go <laughs> does he go bad at a slower rate or a faster rate? Can I study him? Can I just poke and prod at him? I won't tell anyone. I just want to poke and prod. That's very much Varen. And Moraine's just like, God damn God it. God damn it. Now I have to kill her. But then she's like, oh, wait, bad idea. I just gave it away. Right. And... I, I don't know. I kind of trust Varen. She's just, she just wants knowledge. Very fair. Like, it's just such a more pure pursuit than, like, right, whatever have... Leandrin is doing. Oh, well, Leandrin's, Leandrin's the worst. We've established this. But even if she was, like, I don't trust, her motivations are not pure, even if she wasn't torturing people with the one power. Right. Like. And even, like, she's, you can... like, Elida. Her motivations are not pure. I don't know what she's doing, but her motivations aren't pure. And honestly, neither are Moraine's. And right, I was gonna say, like Moraine. Well, Moraine has, <laughs> Moraine has kind of like a Machiavellian problem, right? She has pure intentions, but the way she goes about it is through subterfuge and manipulation. Well, and I like because Moraine, you mentioned Machiavellian. It's like she's very much. It, you cannot be both loved and feared. 
Yeah. So pick feared. Right. And that's Moraine. And in the Amberland, they both have, they may have noble intentions, but they're not pure intentions. Okay, that's, I and think that's Baron probably doesn't a have, doesn't have noble or innoble. She just wants to know. She just wants to know, which I think is a very pure pursuit because it, yeah. it's neutral. Yeah. It's, it's not noble. It's not not noble. She just wants, she's like true neutral in that sense. Yeah. It, like, I will say it is very nice to see a, an Aes Sedai who is neither blue nor red. And she seems like she's going to be a main character just because she's one of the handful of Aes Sedai that know that Rand is the dragon reborn. Okay. We'll see what happens, but okay. Like, I can see her being at least a supporting character. Sure. Not in the way that Moraine is a main character or even, like, the Amarillin is going to be a main character. Like, I think, like, tier C. Okay. Like, in the sense that I feel like Min is going to pop up again. I don't think sure. we're done with Min. Um, you you typically don't throw out a character who has that kind of, like, prophetic revelation only once. Right, and Varen has kind of served that purpose as well in being the person who translated this prophecy. Right. She's not the prophecy giver, but she's one of two people who were able to translate it. Yeah. And the other person who translated it just like skipped over half of it. Like she did not right. that I said I did not care about what the content of it was. She was no. like, All right, I translated it and I'm done. Like yeah. like a dealer in Vegas, I'm out. Like <laughs> Baron wants to know. Baron wants to know. She's and so I think she's going to end up being very useful. Yeah. Okay. Then we switch to Perrin. Just for a little. Just, just for half just a page. Just a taste. Just like a page. It's like two half pages. Just but a dash you... of Perrin. And uh, basically he just tries to go visit Matt. And they don't. And they the... let him in. He talks for like half a second with Matt. And then he gets flirted with. Leanna. <laughs> Leanna can just. She's. Why is she blue? Why was she blue? She doesn't know. She wants a lot of orders. She Which wants. seems like she wants to be green. She wants. I don't know what that means. The young men. <laughs> she wants the young men. And she's like, I should have taken the green because then I'd get all the boys. And then later, in, when we're back in Rand's head, we get a line about greens like to bond them young. And that's not <laughs> creepy at all. No, okay. that doesn't sound a little bit rapey. I mean, it's a little creepy. <laughs> but you do kind of have to keep in mind that Aes Sedai live for much longer. So like young to an Aes Sedai could be like 30. No. They very clearly are looking at these three 18-year-olds when they say, we like to bond them young. That's very fair. Because Leia also flirts with Rand. And probably with Matt. Matt probably flirts back. Uh, There was a line about Leia basically, like, admiring Matt while he was unconscious in bed. Honestly, Matt probably would wake up and flirt right back. Probably. (laughs) It's Matt. Matt Well, okay, it is an Aes Sedai. He might not like that. It would probably take him half a second to read. Like, if he, like, was groggy and was like, oh, this person's flirting with me and has been taking care of me, I'm going to wake up and flirt. Oh, wait, you're an Aes Sedai. Never mind. (laughs) Yup. Because Leanna also mentions, like, if I were... If I were younger, hell, if I were even 30. So clearly she's older than 30. She's clearly older like, than 30. And the way, she, the way it was phrased, was like, she's significantly older than 30. You know what just popped in my head just about Matt? He kind of gives me Captain Jack Harkness vibes. A little bit. I think that and ties into his And I think that ties energy. into the bi energy, which is just he doesn't care. No. Which probably, like, based on how I know the definitions of bi versus pan, it could be pan vibes, too. Could be. Like I can see, pa- I can see Matt not caring. Very true. He just gives Captain Jack Harkness vibes. He does, a little especially bit. friendship-wise too, because he's just like he 
he's just a joy, like a joyous person. And yeah, well, when he's not being corrupted by a dagger. Yeah. But the second he's not, the second he gets healed immediately, like, like the first time in the last book, he's just immediately Matt again. And in the time that they've been hanging out in Faldara, he's just like gambling and having fun and drinking and flirting with women and like yep. he's just having a good old time. Yeah. And he's not going to have a good time. No. For Matt's, this book. Matt's in for a rough ride. A little they bit, are going to go look for the dagger. Yeah. They're going to go look Matt for the and Perrin are going to look for the horn and the dagger because they assume that the horn and the dagger are together. Yeah. Which is a, it's a safe assumption because someone, by the same people. someone had to break Pad and Fane out. Pad and Fane obviously stole the dagger, but whoever broke him out obviously stole the horn. Right. It's the horn of Valir. Like, so they're going on the hunt for both. Right. And this brings me to my point about Matt, because we're back in Rand's head. Lan is trying to help out Rand. Mm-hmm. He, like, tells him to tuck in his shirt. and He, like, gives him these, like, really formal set of, like, manners to do when presenting yourself to the Amarillin seat. And it's, like, it's a good moment. It's a good Lan, like, teaching moment. Because he basically tells Rand, like, you may not have much control over what's going to happen to you, but you have all of the control over how you're going to take it. Which was the quote that we picked for this episode. Exactly. And he also has a good quote later on about like being a man. Yeah, he does. He, he just has several so really good quotes. Land went into full dad mode with Rand and I really appreciate it. There's like some sort of student teacher bond going on here. Yeah, something that the I said I pick up on later, which I'll get around to when we get to that point. <laughs> That's a good part. But yeah, so Lan's, like, helping out Rand. He tells him to change into a better outfit. He tells him to tuck in his shirt. Tells him to carry his sword in to beat the Amerlin, even though he's not supposed to. Just, like, giving him all this advice. And then he gives him the Kaldazar? Kaldazar, yeah. Kaldazar pin, which is the Red Eagle of Manetherin. Yep. When I remembered a Red Eagle being mentioned in Min's Creepy Aura readings. Mm-hmm. So I went back and looked. It's mentioned for Matt. Yep. And Matt was the one who did the weird Manetherin war cry when they were getting attacked by Trollocs the second time. Yeah. Why is Rand getting a Red Eagle? Why is Rand getting the Red Eagle? Probably because of just all the symbolism. But I think that Matt is the one that has the connection to Manetherin. Like, he really is the old, like, he's the embodiment of the old blood. Sure. And does that mean Matt has to be the one to use the horn? Because that would make Moraine's... Matt's useless now that we don't have the horn thing makes sense. Um, I'm going to hit you with, I think, the first of the season. Read and find out. But that's where I'm leaning. Okay. Is that Matt is the one that has to use this horn, which also ties in to the, like, all of these boys have to have something special about them. They're all Tavirin. Mm-hmm. Perrin's is obviously this weird wolf connection. Wolf brother. Wolf brother. It's going to come up. He's kind of trying. Probably. It's going to come up more. It, it's there's going to be a use for it. Matt, I think it's just really pointing towards him being the one to use the horn. Okay, and sure. Just the symbolism, especially since also one of the creepy aura readings is horn. Matt has red eagle, and a horn, ruby dagger, horn, and a bunch of other stuff. Okay, but red eagle and a horn. Sure, they're all near him. That hasn't been solidified yet, but has not. That's what I'm. That's what I'm leaning towards. Yeah. The, the read and find out still stands. So, yeah. Rand gets a pin from Lan. Lan's just giving out presents. He really is. 
He gives out another one later that we're, we're going to have to dedicate a little bit more time to because uh, it's, special. it's special. But before that, Rand meets with the Amaralyn, and the Amaralyn's like, you're the dragon reborn, huh? They drop so much on Rand in this section. I they really feel do. So much. They drop a whole bunch of information on Tam. Yeah, you learn more about Tam. Does we that make Tam about... less suspicious to you? You get You get Tam's backstory. I never... After a while, I didn't necessarily find him suspicious. I just like it's not like I it's not like I would have voted him off in Among Us. It's not like okay. you, it's not like you're sus. Okay. You need to go. It's just like that's just Tom. That's Tom. It's still Tom. Like there's something going on with Tom. He's not dead. I swear. Sure. <laughs> I'm gonna read 14 books and Tom's gonna be dead. <laughs> He's so mad. <laughs> oh, that would be great. <laughs> It might be. You don't know. I'm going to just say it at least once an episode. Tom's not dead. You didn't say it last episode. I didn't. It's going to happen at least several times a season. Oh, I'm I'm going to go into the Tom's not dead until Tom is either Either dead dead or not dead. dead. But yeah, so we get some information on Tam and... It I and now we have his backstory and now my my suspicions that the what like not suspicions that he's a bad person I never thought he was a bad person and I never like thought that his intentions were suspicious. He raised Rand and he raised did a Rand. Good job. He did a good job. It's just like I knew there was more to Tom Tam. Yeah. And now I'm like vindication. Yeah. He served in the army of Ilian. Yes, he was in, in the White Cloak a War, wars. A White Cloak War, and a couple wars after that. He was a Blades Master and the second captain of the Companions, which I have no idea what that is, but it sounds fancy. Companions are just a like semi-elite force in Alien. And he was a good enough Blade Master and a captain of the the, the Companions that he got not only just a Heronmark blade. But an ice that I made here in her mark blade. Yup. They don't make new ones of those. There's still more to know, know about Tom, Tam. We're not done with Tam. No, we're not. I'm, I'm trying to remember how much more there is to learn about Tam. I'm not 100% sure. I'm also going to be mad if we just don't see Tam again. That's fair. Like, I'm going to... just Him and Tom not being dead. We're going to see Tam again. Tom's not dead. <laughs> okay. But yeah, so at, at this meeting we learn about Tam. And the Aes Sedai are basically like, like Rand comes in and gives this like very formal like Borderlander greeting to the Amaralyn. And they're like, God damn it, Land got to it. <laughs> Why is he so goddamn formal? And then he they like, like a... intentionally push him to break him out of it, which is interesting. Yeah, they're like, oh, you do some, have some fire. He's, they're like, we're gonna take your sword, and he's just like, no, no you aren't. Not. It's my and dad's then, sword. And then he realized, like, oh, you guys didn't even move. And Land's probably just like, damn it. Right. I had, you were so close. And then so he says close. something later, and they're like, Land really did get to you. Yeah. Just like the way he talks and carries himself is much more like Land now than it was before, which I love. I which love I that love. for Rand. I think that everyone should be more like Land. Yes. Yes, everybody should. I'm Warrior gonna, poets. I'm gonna come up with. It's like it's one of my hotter takes. Robert Jordan did not <laughs> need, or, like, he had the audacity to write a man this well. Like, it's no like I read romance novels. I love men written by women. There is just something about them. They just, I, just, I just love it. And occasionally in person, you meet a you you meet a man, and you're like, oh, you were written by a woman, <laughs> even though you're a real okay. person. <laughs> like. 
Lan is one of those rare men who is just so good and written by a man, too. And you're like, yeah. how? How are you so perfect? This is earlier than I wanted to have my Lan moment, but it's, happen- no, it's we're, happening. We're, we're doing it. We're doing it. <laughs> I just... After after the meeting with the Emerald seat, where, just a quick recap, because I don't think we're going to be able to come back to it. Uh, the Amerlin and the Aes Sedai are like, you're the Dragon Reborn, go do whatever the hell you want. Yeah, and then Moraine, Rand's like, like I'm going to go help. Moraine has some story time about Rand's birth at Dragon Mountain. He has just some more like, but Tam is my dad. Yeah, there was a prophecy about Rand being born, all that stuff. And he's like, but Tam is my dad, but also Lan is kind of my dad now. <laughs> Everybody's Rand's dad. And so then we get to Nynaeve, yep. who, like, she has, she has something about a storm. She can feel the weather. And then she has some wisdom guilt over leaving Emmons Field. And then Lan comes in. Not a good thing for Nynaeve. And she's already like, God damn it. Like, this isn't going to go well for me, but I love you. Yeah. And Lan gives his second heartfelt present of the day. (laughs) (laughs) And he gives her his signet ring. Yep. It's one of the one items that he still has that brings him back to the fact that he's a freaking king. Yep. And he gives it to Nynaeve, and he tells her that she just needs to present it to anyone. Any and borderlander. Any borderlander, and they'll help her. Or warder. Or any warder, and they'll help, because they'll recognize it as being his. That if you present this to anyone, they will help you. And if you send it to me with any note, I will drop everything and go to your side. Right. <laughs> and like, the, damn the, it. The, just like the, the fantastic thing about this is Lin also basically gives this to her with no strings. He's just like, I can't be with you. I, you know, I understand how you feel. This is a, this is a gift because I, I'm, I know I'm hurting you. And it's like, I feel the same way and I can't be with you. But here's this thing that will protect you and also always call me to your side no right. matter what. He basically says, like, I will ditch Moraine to come to your side. Which, if, that's big. If, if you send me this signet ring. And she's like, I can't take it. And then he basically calls her love. Like It's it's a very nuanced term, he says. It's, but it's like, Mashiara. Right. Beloved of heart and soul but also a love lost. So it's just like, <laughs> it's like a one-two punch. It's just like... Land's poet side coming out. It's just like this like term of endearment, but also just like a really sad term of endearment. Yeah. And uh, Land, I'm gonna, I'm Land's gonna, great. I haven't actually cried at a land moment yet, but it's gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like... At some point, Lan is going to do something that is on par with the Waterloo, or the Waterloo letters? Yeah. Yeah, Waterloo letters, that I just, I'm going to cry. Fair. Lan's the best. Lan's the best. Lan is the best. Yeah. And... Robert Jordan had no right to write a man this well. (laughs) I mean, I disagree, but okay. He did not have a right to do this to me. Uh, That one I maybe agree with. (laughs) There is one last bit in this segment, which is a little shorter. The last episode was covered more than we usually cover. Mm-hmm. This one's a little shorter. Rand and Egwene have a little bit of a meeting. They do. This is the a second heartfelt, like, I love you, goodbye moment. Yeah. Although Lan is going with Nynaeve, so I don't even understand. They're going to be around a bunch of Aes Sedai, and I think he's 
he doesn't anticipate, I think, being in the White Tower for very long. That's probably fair. Because, like, we do, like, we get a little this, bit of This Moraine. goodbye does seem a little bit premature, though. It does. It, or it didn't, it's not really a goodbye. It's just, like, a here's a thing while I we're think still it's, alone. Right. We have a chance to do it. But Egwene and Rand's is a goodbye. And yeah. one, Egwene just comes out of the gate with some hot takes for Lan and Nynaeve, which is just, like... She's like, Lan clearly loves her back, and he's being dumb about it. Lan, or Egwene says exactly what I thought, like, that I'm thinking. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, at this point, it is a little bit more complicated than Lan's being dumb about it. I, no, I get it. But still. Like, they leave, they lead very complicated lives They now. leave complicated lives, and it's just a slow burn. Very it's slow. It's going to be a slow burn because they're going to get together. They have to. I hope they do. <laughs> like, they have to get together. Yep. There has to be at least something. They're setting it up too well. There's, yeah, it's getting set up quite well. Uh, it's set up for a slow burn. And I'm having faith in Robert Jordan that he won't let me down. There's a lot of payoff in this series. And I'm hoping that Lana and Nynaeve is one of them. But I did love the hot take coming from Egwene. Egwene is like a upcoming queen of hot takes. Yeah. She's not there yet, she's but she's getting like, there. I didn't like her as much in the last book, but she's already like, now that she's really becoming her own person. Right. Like, she's decided to leave her hair unbraided, and that's not because Moraine does, because she's met a bunch of Aes Sedai at this point. Right. Who, have all, who all wear their hair differently. Right. Like, they can wear their hair the same way that from the place they came from. Right. It's fine. Farron, for example, wears it in just kind of a messy bun. Right. But she's wearing it unbraided as like a sign to herself that this is her new life. Right. Which she has sure. a reason for it now. Not just, oh, right. Moraine has her hair out. Like, she's... She's less getting dragged in between Moraine and Nynaeve. And so I think that might be one of the reasons I like her so more this book so far. Is just, she We've is... also spent already more time in her head. Well, we didn't spend any time in her head in the first like, book. Like three pages. In the first book? Yeah. No? Yeah, so. there's a little bit of when she comes across Perrin washed up on the river. Like a, like three pages. Oh, I thought that was in Perrin's perspective. No, he was unconscious. He washed up on the river. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. Well, see, it was so unmemorable that I don't remember. But, you know, she comes in with the hot takes. She tackled Rand to the ground. She tackled Rand. For being mean to loyal. Yeah. And so she's in the, she's talking with Nynaeve, and Rand makes a big old fuss trying in his demand to see Egwene. What is it with Which Rand is, and causing fusses at the women's apartment? I don't, I don't like the rules for the women's apartments. I think it's dumb. It's a very militaristic society, the Borderlands. Yeah, but it's like, you know, you can go knock on the door, but then you have to walk all the way, like you have to walk away and then a woman comes out and she could invite you in. But like, Rand's just not following the rules in his big declaration of love, I guess. Yeah. And they... so he makes a big fuss. He refuses to get rid of his sword. And eventually Egwene comes out and she's like, it's okay, everyone, I'll deal with it. Like, you don't need to like put up to work or anything. Because apparently the, like, the last person who made a big fuss trying to get into the women's apartments was just like, scrub floors. Yeah, they made him like scrub floors and wash underwear for three months, even though he just wanted to apologize to his betrothed. Yeah, women's apartment rules are weird. In, yeah, I don't like them. They're kind of oppressive. <laughs> but anyway. They are, at the very least, not oppressive towards the women. Except they kind of 
I mean, they, they're kind of oppressive towards everyone. They're, they, I think what I don't like about them is that they assume that women can't take care of themselves. So they're putting all these, True. they're putting all these rules in order to protect the women. When like, this is a matriarchal society. Although, based on what Rand, uh, on what Land said to Rand, is it to protect the women or is it to protect the men? That's true, because we didn't touch on that part. Yeah, because Lan... earlier, Lan is like, one Shinaran woman is worth, like, 12 men. Yeah, better to have one woman on your side than 10 men. Yeah. And then he goes into saying, like, be careful, because they might marry you off to a Shinaran woman before you wake up, and then somehow make you the head of a household, and <laughs> then they'll make it think that it, then they'll make you think that it was your idea. Yeah. Yeah, no, and the... he says it with like affection, like he loves the yeah, women of his. Yeah, he loves it. Like he loves the women of his that's, people. That's why he loves Nynaeve, is because <sighs> Nynaeve is basically a borderlander woman. Well, because she's from the Two Rivers and they're equally as stubborn. Right. <laughs> he just loves a stubborn woman, and so they, him and Nynaeve, Rand and Nynaeve talk, and they say goodbye, and Rand's like, "I'm Rand never going." Rand and Egwene, right? Uh, Rand and Egwene say goodbye. They have like a hug. And they have like a Rand hug. like whispers, "I love you." Just like, okay, man. Well, yeah, he thinks he's never gonna see her again. He's like, "I'm never yeah. gonna see you again." Please don't take the red. That's. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't hate me. Please goodbye. don't hate me. And he's like, she's like, "I'm not gonna take the red. I'm not gonna hate you." And she's like, and he's like, "The next time you see me, you're gonna want to gentle me. It's fine." Yeah. Poor, poor Rand just, just continues to have no good options. Uh, yeah. He just is never presented with a good option. No, it's unfortunate. Not. But yeah, so he says goodbye. Yep. And that's and the end of this section. That is. It's kind of anticlimactic, but we switched, we switched perspectives between chapters 8 and 9, so. Right, we were like, we did a little bit better of a job breaking yeah. up this time like looking ahead at the next chapter to see if it would be a better break to include it or not include right. it last one ended on a cliffhanger this one also like it, it ends on a, like a closing note at least right it, the the scene resolves itself right because there was a couple times last season in which the scene like wasn't done <laughs> it was like we got to camelin and we're gonna have a conversation in the next chapter continued the conversation <laughs> yeah so we're learning and that won't happen this time hopefully yep. You know what will happen this time? Recurring segments. <laughs> it happens every time. They're recurring segments. I really liked that segue. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't think of it for that long. First up, Min Auras. We touched on this a little bit. We did. Is there anything you have to add to it? Just to summarize, the Red Eagle of Manethrin and a Horn have been mentioned. Both were aura readings for Matt. Neither have been mentioned directly in conjunction with Matt. And so I think that that's going to change by the end of the book. Okay, cool. There's not much this section. Uh, ship updates. Should I say ship updates or just fucking armada updates? Because at this point, the Land Nynaeve ship is kind of an armada. Yeah, or is it just Lan? <laughs> just Lan. Just Lan. No, it's Lan and Nynaeve. I don't okay. like if Lan didn't have a love interest. I don't that'd know. That'd be a shame. That'd be it's, it's such a shame. But yeah, I just you know nothing nothing new yet. I I think that at some point Elaine and Rand. I'm like I'm waiting for. Okay, Elaine. there was some flirty stuff. There was some flirty one. stuff, and I think we're gonna see Elaine again. So I'm wondering like. Does she ask about Rand? Does she see Rand this book? I know she, I, I feel, I don't know in like the sense that I looked up a spoiler and I know. Mm -hmm. No, just like in the, I am going to be overconfident in my guessing abilities and say, I know that Elaine pops up in more than just book one. Right. In a, in 
a palace. Like, sure. she's going to be a recurring character. Okay. I know it in my gut. <laughs> Not in the sense okay. that I actually know. Sure. So it's, it's ba- well, okay, there's a little bit of... So I really only have the one ship right now. Okay, there's a little bit of, like, Randa Gwaine stuff, but it's very... It's I don't like ship a, it. Okay, totally fair. Like, in the way that, like, I don't hate it, but I just don't ship it. Like, it's a ship that's been given to me, and I don't mind it. Okay. But I'm not gonna, like, go write fanfiction about it. Sure. I'm not saying yeah. I'm gonna go write fanfiction about Land and Nynaeve either, but... Not yet. Not yet. Oh, you might be forced to, at the rate that it keeps going. I see, but I wouldn't write canon because I just don't do canon fanfic. I write That's AUs, correct. so I, at some point we'll probably put Lannan naive in a coffee shop. That's. <laughs> I don't know what Landman Dragon would do in a coffee shop, but I don't know. He's like. The, I guess maybe we'll find out at some point. The grumpy customer that always comes in and I guess woos the barista with poetry written on receipts. Okay, sure. I guess <laughs> I don't know. I haven't written it, and I don't know that I'm going to. <laughs> very, very fair. Last recurring segment, favorite moments. I actually need to change mine, mine so. Oh, you came up with I, I, a new I one. I switched since. it. So mine is Land, either Land talking about the woman of Faldara, uh, and just being nice to Rand in general, or Land giving Nynaeve his signet ring. So just Land. Land's my favorite moment. Not yeah. really, not really a surprise there. Uh, both of my favorite moments also have to do with Lan. One of them is they're kind of like back to back. Lan coaching Rand on how to talk to the Amarillin. I like it. It's good. It's, it's good advice, and it's it's very like not toxic man advice. He's not just like be. He's not like be strong, don't bend, all that shit. He's, don't like be a man. He's just like you can control how you react to things. Right. Which he could easily give that advice to a woman as well. Right. Like it's he's, just gender neutral advice. He's just like you're you. You're you're a strong person. Don't you know you're not gonna break by what is coming to you. You get to pick how you respond. It's good. Yeah. And later on when they're talking, like Lan has a brief conversation outside of the room with one of the eyes that I like guarding the room to the Amberlin, and he's just like, a man is what a man is. And then, yeah, that's the other, I think that's the line that Rand parrots back, and he's like, I am what I am. Right. And they're like, damn it, Land did get to Yeah, you. and it's like, it's just such a good line, because it's like, okay, you're, you know, he's not, I'm not trying to make people what they aren't. Yeah. Just trying to make them the best version of who they are. Right. I like it. And the bit with Rand and the Amberlin is also one of my favorite bits, because Rand has Rand kind of like shows what he can be which is this like kind of really almost grand person yeah who doesn't he's not going to bend because people are trying to break him right yeah and, uh, I, think, and I just really like it I think Rand is coming into his own I think Lan has a big part of it I also think it's safe to say that we are a Lan appreciation club we are definitely a Lan appreciation club this is a Lan appreciation podcast it I know we've, s- I know we've said in the past that it's a Perrin <laughs> appreciation appreciation podcast and lose bet all uh, no, in this house we respect Alsa Luhan. That's, <laughs> the, that's the podcast episode name, and we do respect Alsa Luhan <laughs> because she kills Trollocs with frying pans. But what we really do is we just worship Alen Mandragoran. Yep. We just bow down before him because he wouldn't want it. And on that note, I think we end the podcast. I think so. <laughs> Th- this was not the beginning. Episode two, Great Hunt, chapters six through eight. Next episode, two weeks from now. Chapters 9 through 12. Bye. Bye.